Grace be to you in peace from God, our God the Father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. It is in Christ's name that stand before you this morning. It is a blessing to be here. Um, a lot of memories, a lot of things gone through my mind this morning. Um, my mind went back to a bit over 15 years ago when my wife and I and Shaylin, seven weeks old at the time, uh, left for Virginia. And uh, God has blessed us in many ways, continues to go with us. It's been a journey. Um, we welcome you come visit us in Virginia. I know some of you have, but no, keep that invitation open. If you turn to Philippians 2, I'd like to read one verse um, to start off here. Philippians 2, I'd like to read verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. The title for this morning's message is Living Selflessly. I think it's, it's, it's pretty safe to say that many aspects of the Christian life are a lot easier to talk about um, than to actually practice and to do, to describe than to live out. And I find this to be one of those things. Um, living selflessly in a selfish world. It's not particularly easy. Consider this statistic. Around 92 to 93 million selfies are taken worldwide every day. Now, I'm not suggesting that if you're a selfie-taking person that it automatically makes you selfish. But I think it is an indication of the times that we live in, an expression Oxford Dictionary's named selfie the word of 2013. And since then, we also got the word selfitis, meaning an obsessive compulsive desire to take photos of oneself and post them on social media. Selfishness is in our nature. It's natural to care about ourselves. But I think we would agree that selfishness is really ugly. Easier to notice it in other people than it is to really put your finger on it in your own life. Or at least we tend to overlook it or put up with it in our own lives and um, maybe get more irritated with it, notice it in other people's lives. What are some signs of selfishness? Being more concerned about your own needs than the needs of others. It's just simply putting yourself first. Selfishness. Someone that's focused on themselves. Self-absorbed. Always considering what is in it for me. Not willing to share. Maybe when your day is focused on your own agenda with little room for others. Selfishness is really a picture of people, men without God. Selflessness, how do we get there? Selflessness in a selfie world. I'd like to suggest that we would turn the camera around. Turn the lens away from yourself. Away from your needs, your wants, onto others and to Christ. 
We probably all know people like this, and they're a pleasure to be around. People that are selfless, giving. But I would like to suggest, or to not suggest, I would like to remind us that putting God first needs to be first. Mark twelve thirty, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Again, it's one of those things that we know, but it can be hard to get it right. Do you hear God's voice when the universe is orbiting around you? When we actually love God like it says here, how much room is left for self? When you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. True selflessness involves more than just putting other people first. It's putting God first. Luke twenty-two forty-two, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus' example here is a very important point. Some people are good at giving and serving others. It makes them feel good. But they're still not willing to put God first. They're not willing to say from the heart what Jesus did to his Father, not my will, but thine be done. Have you put God first in your life? It's the first step to true selflessness, giving up our will, ourself, to God, for God. Luke 9, 23, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Being a disciple of Christ calls for selflessness. It's for him. It can't be about me. Consider verse, Philippians verse 2, verse 3 that I read earlier. Esteeming others better than ourselves. Mark twelve thirty one. And the second like, namely this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Are you pouring as much love on your neighbor as you are on yourself? But I think the call in Philippians 2 verse 3 is even beyond that. It's not equal treatment. It's esteeming the other better than yourself. What does that look like? When making a decision, do you consider others? Do you consider how your decision will affect others? Or are you only concerned about your interests? It's being alert to others' needs and not simply your own. It's guarding our hearts from a pattern of, of developing a pattern of critical thing, of uh, critical thoughts and judgmental thoughts toward others. Also remembering that God has often used others to get you to where you are today. Considers to, I mean, and continues to do that. I'd also like to remind us that this is not simply putting yourself down, but instead lifting others up. A quote, never putting anyone down except on prayer, onto your prayer list. It may call for laying aside social norms. The social norms and accepted way of doing things may keep us at times from making choices that put others first. Our culture is 
focused on going and focused on me, myself. It's a push for that. It's that mentality. Selfless living may require you to slow down and take the time to bandage a wounded heart, to listen to a friend. Also, selfless living does not guarantee you good economic status or means. Jesus' call, an example of selflessness, goes beyond normal expectations of loving and caring for a friend or neighbor, spouse, child, etc. We're to love even our enemies. Turn to Matthew 5. I'd like to read a couple of verses there. Beginning in verse uh, 43 of Matthew 5. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Loving those that oppose us, laying aside hurt feelings and wounds and being selfless. Jesus' example, I'd like to read a couple of verses, Romans 5, 8. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Philippians 2, verse 8. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus submitted himself to the will of the Father. He was obedient. And he was willing to die the death of a criminal. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Selfless living, I think, takes practice. It takes intentional practice. Um, it would be a challenge for you this coming days, week. Each morning ask the Lord to give you an opportunity to be of unselfish service to someone that day. Ask God to show you how to put others first in the situations that you will face that day. I think we know that good habits take time to develop. Don't be discouraged if you fail, but determined to do better and to grow. It doesn't come naturally to live selflessly, but I, I believe that it's a habit that can be developed. Living selflessly it's more than just avoiding selfish actions. But it is marked by selfless actions. In the life of a family, the idea of selfishness is, is probably a daily battle. As parents, we remind our children frequently to share, to consider others, to show respect, and selflessness in relating to their siblings. How many times have you told your child, don't be selfish, or something similar? Not suggesting that that's necessarily a bad thing, but I think the Bible raises the standard a bit higher than that. Maybe a lot higher. It's more than just not putting our own desires first, but it's also a willingness to put the needs and desires of others before our own. 
Um, maybe say, is there really that much difference? Um, think of it this way. Go from don't be selfish to learn to be selfless. Maybe one example of this. Um, consider this picture with me. You have one of your children or a small child that is... Um, Maybe they're at the table coloring a picture, and they have a box of crayons. And they don't want to share. There's a sibling that comes along, and they're really not interested in sharing. But you help them, and you get them to the place where they are willing for the other one to be beside them and share the crayons. It's not really what they want to do, but they, they do it. They put up with it. They're willing to concede and to, to, be, to not be selfish. Another thing that's probably missing in this picture is I doubt if there's any smiles. Um, now consider another scenario. A child is, again, enjoying coloring by themselves. And maybe there's a sibling that doesn't really know what to do and is bored. And, and the, the first child says, come, join me. Moves over, makes room for them. Says, I'll share my crayons. You can color with me. And he says it with a smile. There's a big difference in these two scenarios. Are you serving with a smile? Are you reaching out and looking for opportunities? Or are you rather grudgingly doing what is required of you? This don't just apply to the children in our lives. It applies to all of us. Let's move the conversation from don't be selfish to learn to be selfless by exemplifying and teaching how that should look. Move the conversation from negative to positive. Remember, it's not just refraining from selfish behavior, but it calls for action, active selfless deeds. Turn to Luke 10. I'd like to look at the, uh, the count we call the Good Samaritan. I don't plan to read this, this story, maybe just a few verses. Um, it's an account that I think most of us are familiar with. I'd like to look at a number of points from this story about the Good Samaritan. Considering first the selfishness that is present in this situation, particularly displayed by the, the priest and the Levite, so it doesn't say much about them, but I assume that they had some good reasons or at least excuses for not lending their assistance, not getting involved. Remember that selflessness is not always convenient or even safe. Now considering the Good Samaritan, one of the things I notice is he stepped outside of the social norms. There was tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. This was not a brother in the church. This was not a friend or a neighbor. I, assuming that the Samaritan man probably didn't know this Jew that was lying there in the road wounded. I don't know if it's taken it too far or not, but I think it could almost be considered an enemy. As you consider the, the relationship or lack thereof between the Jews and the Samaritans. 
also like to remind us that this good Samaritan was not an EMT. He was not driving an ambulance. This was not his job. It says, as he journeyed. He was going about his normal routine. I don't know how often he traveled this road, but I, I think it's fair to assume that his plans for the day probably did not include helping a wounded man, taking him to an inn. So it took some, it took some sacrifice on his part, um, altering his schedule. He's a good example, again, the Good Samaritan is again a good example of one who is living selflessly. He gave more than the bare minimum. So think about some of the things that he gave. He gave time, certainly, but he gave more than that. He gave of his resources, money. Uh, it seemed that he had some things with him that he could bandage up the wounded man. Um, so he gave of those resources, but he also paid for the the man's care at the inn. He showed love and compassion to a stranger. What does living selflessly look like in family life? Living selflessly with your spouse, those that are married. Living with your spouse, is this something that you have mastered? Is it something that you think about? It's amazing how difficult it can be moment by moment, day by day with the person that you love. You pledge to live your life together till death parts you. So it's a lifetime of opportunity to love. It's also not an opportunity, but a, a temptation to, to hurt. Maybe not consciously. Every day you have the opportunity to live selflessly. But you're probably also daily faced with at least some temptation to respond selfishly. I'd like to remind us the importance of words. So I'd also emphasized earlier that living selflessly is, is marked by actions, and I, I firmly believe that. <clears throat> But words are important in a relationship. And I'm thinking particularly the husband and wife relationship. It, it, it applies other places. But think about the importance of your words. Maybe not even just the choice of your words, but how you say them. You can say something that appears unselfish. But if your spouse knows you well, maybe you can read that. It's, it's just words. So words are important, but not just words. Husbands, 1 Peter 3, 7, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. We're called as husbands to, to dwell, to live, to interact with our wives in an understanding way. Giving or showing special honor. As husbands, you're called to lead. Not with dominance or control, but with love and sacrifice. Or another way we could say, to lead selflessly.
Does your leadership as a husband in your home make it easier for your wife to follow and to love? Are you worthy of her honor and respect? As a wife, you're called to submit to your husband's leadership. Is that considered the role of a, a wife, and particularly a mother? If you're fulfilling your responsibilities as a mother, if you're fulfilling them well, you are living selflessly. I think it goes with the territory. There's a lot asked of you. There's a lot that you do for others. It's a position that calls for a lot of giving. Any marriage can have difficult times, times that demand work, that demand effort. And it will be hard to deal with difficulties if you are focused only on yourself. Sibling to sibling, how are your relationships in your family, sibling to sibling? You spend a lot of time together. There's a lot of opportunity for things to happen. Selfishness has to be fairly high on the list of reasons for conflict. You want to do things your way. Not that it really makes that much difference, but you just would like to do it your way. When there's a problem, it can be, it can be quick to say, well, it's not my fault. They started it. They did it. It's not my fault. Are you tempted to lower expectations of yourself when you're around your family? Easy to get careless in your attitudes and in your actions. Maybe you say things to your siblings that you'd be ashamed to say to others, to be heard saying. Now, I recognize that there's a certain amount of freedom and maybe understanding and interaction that, that you can have at home. And I think there's a healthy place for that. But I would also like to remind us that Jesus' call for selfless living doesn't stop when you enter the doors of your home. As siblings, you have a wonderful opportunity to show and to practice that right at home every day. It takes humility. Takes humility to ask forgiveness to your brother, or to your sister. It can take humility to ask forgiveness to anybody, but maybe, maybe particularly depending on your relationship, to humble yourself and to go to your brother or sister and say, "I'm sorry." It takes humility to maybe agree to do things their way. Does that seem fair? Probably not. Maybe it's not fair. It doesn't have to be. It takes humility to look for ways to serve. Maybe when we think of service, oftentimes our, our eyes go outside of our home. I would like to encourage you, especially as young people in your home, look for ways to serve. It's no better place to start. Be willing to do the things that no one else wants to do. 
Does that happen in your home? Some things just get left. Nobody wants to do them. Be willing to listen instead of talking about yourself. So sitting around the table enjoying a meal and fellowship together as a family can be a blessing. But it can be kind of, it can be a riot if everybody's talking and nobody's listening. Be willing to listen. I'd like to be able to talk about what happened to me. What's going on in my life. The experience I had that day. Be willing to listen. Humility is the key to good relationship. Where do you begin? We like the idea of heroic selfless actions, right? They catch our attention. But I think for the majority of us, majority of the time, selfless living will be small choices, maybe mostly unnoticed. Let someone else go first in line. Again, listening rather than speaking. Stop what you're doing to help someone else. Show kindness, thoughtfulness, and generosity. And doing special acts of kindness. Something maybe out of the ordinary. Think about what the other person might enjoy. Small acts of kindness. I'd like to read a short story. Story of Officer De Primo. There are a lot of people who do good things to benefit others, but it is really special when someone exercises selflessness and does not look to be recognized for doing it. One cold night in New York City, Officer De Primo did just that. Here is his story. On a cold November night in Times Square, Officer De Primo was working on a counterterrorism post when he encountered an older, barefooted, homeless man. The officer disappeared for a moment, then returned with a new pair of boots and knelt to help the man lace them up and put them on. The act of kindness would have gone unnoticed and mostly forgotten had it not been for a tourist from Arizona. Her snapshot, taken with her cell phone on November 14th and posted to the New York Department's Facebook page late the next day, made Officer DiPrimo an overnight Internet hero. Officer DiPrimo, 25, who joined the department in 2010 and lived with his parents on Long Island at the time, was shocked at the attention. The officer, normally assigned to the 6th Precinct in the West Village, readily recalled the encounter. It was freezing out and you could see the blisters on the man's feet, he said in an interview. I had two pair of socks, and I was still cold. They started talking. He found out the man's shoe size, size 12, and as the man slowly walked down 7th Avenue on his heels, Officer DiPrimo went into a Skechers store at 9.30, at about 9.30 p.m. We were just kind of shocked, said Jose Cano, 28, a manager working at the store that night. Most of us are New Yorkers, and we just kind of pass by that kind of thing, especially in this neighborhood. Mr. Cano volunteered to give the officer his employee discount to bring down the regular $100 price of the all-weather boots to a little more than $75. The officer has kept the receipt in his vest since then. He said, to remind me that sometimes people have it worse. Back to this idea of where do you begin. One of the things that caught my attention in this story is the comment of the store worker. Most of us are New Yorkers and we just kind of pass by that kind of thing. I don't highlight that to put New Yorkers in a bad light. But most of us probably 
walk past opportunities. We grow calloused. Maybe we're selfish. Our opportunity will likely not be a homeless man on 7th Avenue, Times Square, but you do have neighbors. Often we walk by. Maybe we don't notice because we're too self-focused or it's not convenient. If you don't see ways to exercise selflessness in your daily life, I would challenge you to ask the Lord to open your eyes and help you to see. I'm confident that the Lord is looking for those who are willing to serve selflessly, without recognition, where God can receive the glory. It may take a little, it may take a little practice. When we grow callous to something, it takes a little bit of a jolt. It takes a little bit something out of the out of the routine. Um, you may drive past something, overlook something, time and time again, and it's just you don't think about it. Again, I would ask, or I would, I would challenge you to consider asking the Lord to open your eyes to opportunities in your in your day to day walk. I bet there's something that has been right in front of you for many years that you have maybe overlooked an opportunity that that God can open the doors. Smartphones and selfishness. Just a few comments. Is it possible that your phone is contributing to selfishness? How many times when you're spending time on your phone does it involve those around you? It tends to be something we do by ourselves. I'm not saying there's not exceptions or legitimate uses. But if you are careful how I say this, but if you're using your phone a lot in a public in in a large group setting and you're by yourself on your phone I would challenge you that that's very selfish. Excessive phone usage is ultimately self-centered. It's about me, it's about mine, it's about what I want, it's what I wish for, it's what I need. Do you think it's possible that your phone is making you more selfish? I'll let you answer that question, but I think it's worth considering. I don't know how many of you have heard the term me time. Definition of me time is time spent focusing on oneself and only doing things one wants to do. Or time spent relaxing on one's own as opposed to working or doing things for others. Seen as an opportunity to reduce stress or restore energy. I would ask us as a Christian, is that idea healthy or even biblical? How does this popular idea fit in with selfless living? When you, when you take focused time on yourself, how open are you to interruption and needs that may be around you? 
I'm not suggesting that we should not take time to rest and rejuvenate. It can be very important. But I think it should be done, or does not need to be done selfishly. There's a difference between quiet time, spending time meditating, spending time in God's word, spending time praying, and the idea of me time. The example of Jesus, I'm not going to read these verses, but in Mark 6, Jesus and his disciples wanted to get away by themselves. They wanted a little time for rest. But when Jesus saw the people had gotten there before they did, what did what was his response? It says he felt compassion. When we think the time, that this time is now my time. I earned it. I deserve it. If there's an interruption to that time, it's going to be pretty easy to feel annoyed, frustrated, because it's my time. I, I earned some time by myself. It's me time. I think when Jesus and his disciples were looking for rest, Jesus' mentality was not this idea of he's going to go have some me time. Because when there was an interruption to their plan, and I'm not, uh, it's, it's a stretch to say that you know Jesus was surprised when he got there and these people were there. But he felt compassion. That's what he felt. What would you, what would you have felt? Too often, I think, when we're focused on ourselves, we feel frustration or aggravation at getting interrupted in something that we wanted to do. Should we take a break from living selflessly? Don't do it for reward. 2 Corinthians 12, 15, And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Are you committed to doing the right thing? Even when it seems that others squander the sacrifice you have made. Paul in Corinthians here is expressing his willingness to, to give and give, to be spent, even if they loved him less. We like to be acknowledged. We like to be thanked. But should that be our motivation? If you really like to get recognition, each time you exercise selflessness, it may just not be selflessness. Do you plan to live a godless, a godly, selfless life on your own strength it's not going to happen you need the Lord's help you need God's spirit within you to guide you then you can be changed 
You can be molded toward unselfishness and selfless behaviors. We cannot live a truly selfless life without abiding in Christ. Most of us can probably think of someone that that exemplifies a selfless life. Um, and there's, there's, there's a lot of beauty. When you consider someone who is, is willing to be spent, is willing to give, regardless if there's payback, recognition. And as we looked at the passage here in Corinthians, maybe even love to less. I want to challenge you to be that person. Be that person for those coming after you. Be that example. To bring this to a close, but again remind us that selfless living is not simply the absence of selfish action, but it is marked by action. It is marked by selfless giving. I'd like to close with Philippians 2, verse 3 again. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Let's kneel together for prayer.